First Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, we're doing our next part here in uh, looking at the two church ordinances. I want to look at the Lord's Supper a little bit. We're not having the Lord's Supper tonight, but, and I know some of you, this is kind of old hat. You're saying, man, I've heard this a thousand times. Not terribly excited, <laughs> you know, uh, but at the same time, not everybody here has that same benefit to know all of that. And, uh, and of course, uh, when it comes to being a Baptist, uh, you need to know uh, somewhat about our uh, belief about the Lord's Supper. Um, a lot of movements will look at the Lord's Supper as a part of salvation. Um, you know, that's, that's really what brought the, uh, a lot of the consternation to the Baptists throughout the ages, is the fact that we didn't believe that that wafer, as they held that in their hand, turned into the body of Christ. And that juice or the wine, usually alcoholic wine, uh, was actually the blood of Jesus. And that's a doctrine called transubstantiation. And there are Christians that were burnt at the stake for that. They would say, no, it's just a memorial. The wafer is not changing anything. And people died for it. And so for us, we take it kind of glibly, I guess, just looking at it and saying, you know, well, what's the big deal? But uh, there's been a lot of bloodshed uh, for this doctrine especially for the historical Baptists and, and others, not just Baptists, there's others that held to the scripture. And um, so it's important for us to know that, that uh, these baptism and the Lord's Supper and the differences we had with some of the groups back then uh, carried a very stiff price that we had to pay. And, and so uh, I guess that's what it's all about is paying the price of our belief in the scriptures and there will always be an opposition to uh, a scriptural position, even in relation to other people that believe they have a scriptural position, and, uh, or whatever position they have. Uh, most of the time it's because we looked at this at the beginning of the biblical authority, it's because their authority rested on the wrong thing, on the Pope or on a creed or on a, you know, uh, something like that, rather than on the scriptures alone. And so we, we are scriptural Bible believers, and we want to always go back to the Bible uh, for our position and what we believe about what we believe. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 11, uh, this is uh, the epistle to the Corinthians. Of course, there's all kinds of heresies that were going on there. Uh, they had some real problems, even in relation to the Lord's Supper. And the Apostle Paul is rebuking them. Uh, so we're not necessarily looking at the accounts here in the Gospels of the Lord's Supper. What we're getting an account of is, is the apostle trying to straighten out a church that, that was messed up on the, on the Lord's Supper. And so in chapter 11, verse 23, it says this, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and we had given thanks. He brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And so there we see it's not just a flippant thing we're doing here. It's a serious thing, and I've always tried when we have the Lord's Supper not to make it something uh, that you would do on a beach with Coke and chips. Uh, this is a uh, sacred thing. It's a holy thing. It's a local church thing, and it has a lot of meaning to it. And so I don't 
treated flippantly and sometimes because we do take it so seriously, it does bring a little, uh, you know, uh, I guess tension with some people because they think we're going too far or, or that we're, we're looking at it too seriously. It ought to be looked at a little bit more loosely type of thing. And I just don't believe that from the scriptures because it says that we can be unworthy as we partake and we can become guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Then it says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Okay, so there's many different applications to that as to how it is you could partake and be unworthy within that partaking. It says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Then it goes on to say, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another, and if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together into condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. And so I can imagine these guys, you know, kind of swallowing as they read, read this to the church. And then not only that, but uh, Paul's going to visit us, you know, after that rebuke. And so I'm sure they took it, took it to heart and said, okay, let's maybe do some adjustment to what we're doing here. Now we know the church at Corinth, from what we see here, the, the Lord's Supper became more of a feast of bringing a lot of food in. And it was more about filling the belly than really remembering the Lord. And that was part of the motivation problem that was within this church. And, and uh, instead of, like it says, tarry one for another, uh, it seemed to me like there were those there that were greedy and kind of taking more for themselves and thinking that somehow this is the Lord's Supper. And so it was just, a, it was just a, an improper motivation in partaking of the Lord's Supper when you're supposed to remember what Jesus Christ is all about when he gave his body on that cross and shed his blood for us. And so I just want to give you a couple things about this. I really don't want to get too deep into this thing. I've got a lot of study on it, but I don't want to get into the depth of that within this lesson. All right, I just want to give you some very simple things. The first thing is the reason that we partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, we can see that there in verse 24. It says, when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do. So the first thing is the ordinance is commanded. When there's a thing where it says this do, there's not an option. It doesn't say this do if you want, <laughs> or this do if it's convenient for you. Uh, it says this do. So it's talking to the church here at Corinth. It's talking to a local assembly, and it's talking to all those members and to members of every church that that, that letter went to. And it says, if you're going to do this, this do. It's commanded. It's not up to you to decide whether you should or not. Amen? And you say, well, I'm not right with the Lord, so I don't want to do it. Well, <laughs> that still is not a good excuse because the command is still there, this do. Well, then what should I do, preacher? Because I, I don't feel that I'm, I'm right with God. Well, I wonder what we should do about that. How about let's get right with God? How about let's not disobey the Lord more and let's get right in where we have disobeyed him. Instead of continuing on in disobedience, because I've been disobedient. <laughs> Amen. So the, very simple. 
this do. So if this church is going to have the Lord's Supper, for those that are members here, those that are, that are part of this body, there's no option there. You ought to be there. You ought to be a part of that. That ought to be something you'd say, hey, <clears throat> the command says we ought to do this, so I'm going to, be, I'm going to do this. Because simply, it's that simple, this do, this do. Uh, that's why Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why are we walking around saying, Lord Jesus? Oh, dear Lord Jesus. He says, why you call me Lord? <laughs> You're really not doing what I'm asking you to do. So if he says it, and we call him Lord, then that means that we're doing what he's asked us to do. Because we seriously believe that he is our Lord. And if he is a Lord, that means that his commands ought to be obeyed. Amen? Um, let's see here. What else I got? Let's move on. We're going to go quickly. Uh, the next point is the ordinance is a memorial. This do, the next, next uh, four words, in remembrance of me. <laughs> All right? So it's not a sacrament. It's not something you do because you want to go to heaven or you want to gain favor with God and so forth. It's something you do because you're remembering. And so God gave this as an ordinance, not for himself, but for you. He did this for you because he knew what you were made of. He knows what goes on in that thinker of yours. He knows how quickly we, we fall aside and we see shiny things and we lose focus on life. And so the Lord's Supper, and this is the way I've always seen it as a pastor, and when I call Lord's Supper, it's to refocus the church. It's to get us back to what we ought to be. It's to get, get our body clean again, <laughs> dealing with the things that are not quite right, our relational problems, our doctrinal issues, whatever it is, you know. And that's, friends, why I also believe that the membership is so important. When you have a membership, then you have a parameter that you work with. These are the doctrines we hold to. This is what, this is what determines our unity among us. Amen? And so we hold that, those parameters. And so when we come to a time of the Lord's Supper, we ask ourselves, am I truly in unity with this local church? Because that is the body of Christ. The body of Christ is in unity. Uh, in so many things, that I, and I have some verses, I don't know if I'm going to get that far today, but I wanted to at least say that much. Uh, it's a reminder, it's a reminder of our former lost condition. You remember why it is he died in the first place? Because you're a sinner. Because if he wouldn't have, then you would have. <laughs> then you'd have to die. Not just die physically, but die spiritually. You'd have to be separated from God forever. And so when we partake of that, we say, Lord, I'm so glad that you broke your body for me. I'm so glad that you shed your blood for me. Because that I would have to, I would have to die, if you didn't die, and so it reminds us of our lost condition, our former lost condition. It's a reminder also of the cost of our redemption. So remembering what did this cost the Lord? Well, what did He have to do to make this real for us? And we're we're having it before us. Uh, the the piece of bread. There's nothing in the bread that's magical or mystical, except that it reminds us what Jesus did with His body. When we partake of that juice, and it's not alcohol, by the way, amen. In fact, every time you see it used, even in this passage, and even when Jesus mentioned it, uh, the Lord's Supper, never even used the word wine. So there's no way you could even become confused as to whether it was alcoholic wine or not. Uh, this passage he used many times, what was the word? The cup. <laughs> How about in the, in the Gospels, what words? The fruit of the vine. Is the fruit of the vine alcohol? No, 
In order to have alcohol, you have to take the fruit of the vine and change it. You have to ferment it. It's, it's, a, it's a process that you have to choose to do, at, at, and you have to maintain certain temperatures and add certain sugars and so forth in order for that to become wine, alcoholic wine. So it's not the fruit of the wine, fruit of the vine, sorry. <laughs> so we know that either the, it's pure grape juice or it's something I just don't know. But I know, it's fruit of the, I know that it's grape juice. I know that's what he's talking about there. So when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we take the pure grape juice. And I look for the purest we can find, the best stuff we can get. Amen. And we partake and we have the, the bread. We use unleavened bread, just like the Bible says. No yeast in there, because yeast is a picture of sin. And Jesus had no sin in his body. So we're just going to flippantly do this. Oh, it doesn't matter. Let's just get any old bread. See, that is partaking unworthily. <laughs> That's when the Lord says, no, I'm not putting up with this. You're not sanctifying me in the eyes of your children, in the eyes of the people in the church. And it's very important that you do. I'm not going to bless you because you use alcoholic wine. <laughs> because you're not sanctifying my blood in the eyes of the people. My blood was pure. His blood was not like your blood, folks. He didn't have human tainted blood. He had the blood of God. <laughs> precious blood, the Bible says. Amen. That's far different than mine. Mine ain't so precious. I mean, it's precious to me because it keeps me alive. <laughs> you know. But his blood is so precious, it keeps the world alive. Like, my goodness, man, why are we messing with alcoholic beverages during a time? I remember uh, even I had someone very close to me say in the church they were at that they were having communion and he battled because he was an alcoholic. And when they passed that wine, alcoholic wine around, he battled in his heart and mind about drinking alcohol that he would partake and also get hooked back into alcohol again. During communion... The Lord's Supper, Lord, help you. Lord, help the preacher that doesn't stand up and say, throw that swill into the garbage and let's get the pure fruit of the vine. Amen? So important we see this. It's also a reminder of our unity within Christ. And I think this is an important part that people don't think about a whole lot when it comes to the Lord's Supper. I think the Lord's Supper, we, we talk about communion, <laughs> communion, it's not just about you and Jesus. Say, well, I'm going to have the Lord's Supper because it's between me and the Lord. No, it's not. It's between you and the Lord and his body. <laughs> it's his body. And his body is every member of that church. So when you're not partaking, when you're partaking unworthily, that means that you're holding grudges and bitterness and anger towards somebody within the very body of Jesus. And then you're going to partake like you're in communion you're not in communion with Jesus if you've got ought against your brother. You ought to just, right there, go to that. And many times, I remember my first ministry, we had a high-maintenance ministry with a lot of folks. And there was always a lot of offenses flying around, you know, because they, they hadn't been taught, a lot of these folks. Now, some of them did. Allie's here. She was a part of that. She always behaved very nicely. But there were some people that were, were there that, it, I mean, I'd have to go every week with dealing with some squabble some problem between one or the other. Now you try to have Lord's Supper, you know? So what I would do every time we'd have the Lord's Supper, I would have that invitation. i say, you know what? We're not going forward with this Lord's Supper until people get things right with one another. And we would have people stand up and go over to the other side 
and get right with that brother or sister in Christ that they've been having the squabble with because they know that if they don't do that, they're partaking unworthily. Yeah. Amen? So it's not just about always you and Jesus. Lord knows my heart. It's just about me and Jesus. It's not just about you and Jesus. Amen. You are down here for others. I can't tell you how much that is being negated today within the local church because we all just want to make it about us and Jesus. And really what that is is just saying, you know what, I just don't want to deal with people and I just want to pretend like me and Jesus are all right here. But if you're not right with somebody beside you, there is no you in Jesus. Do you understand that? He's looking at you saying, get right with them. He's not saying, oh, that's right, you don't need them. You just need me. <laughs> That's carnal, man. The Lord would never say that to you. He'd say, you want to have fellowship with me? Then you get right with your brother in Christ or your sister in Christ. That's what he would say. So the Lord's Supper is that tremendous time, that opportunity that we have as God's people to get together, deal with our unity issues, deal with what's keeping us divided, <laughs> There ought not be that kind of carnality in our church. And if he says this do, there's no option of you leaving out on it. Well, I just won't go to church that night and you're disobedient to God. And you're standing in opposition to the Lord that night. <laughs> wow. No, no. The only option is get up from your chair, <laughs> go to that person and get it right. And I can't tell you how many times that we've done that and, and I saw people get right and how the... the the Holy Spirit brought peace upon that congregation that night. It was almost within the air that I sensed that peace in that place. The Lord was pleased. And he looked down and says, this is what I'm talking about. It's not saying that this guy has got everything all figured out. Or this person's got all figured out. But it was saying is, when, when I told you to, you did it. You, you, you wanted unity and, and this is the blessing of it. Amen. And then we could partake, and the Lord was glorified. Amen? It's so important. Please don't, don't forget that. And so that's what we have to remember. The unity that we have in Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, it says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread, and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. That, my friend, is a proof text for the Lord's Supper right there. Yeah. It's saying right there, you are all partakers of that bread, which makes us one body in Christ. Amen? Amen. So that, you got to take that seriously. <laughs> so if I'm going to partake now with sin within the body, with with grievances and bitterness in my heart, don't be surprised if someone becomes sick and weakly and some sleep among us. Sleep is, the Lord takes them home. Oh no, that's just in the first century. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, this Bible is in this century. Yeah. And it's relevant today. Let's have a little fear of the Lord in our life. Amen? And that's why this preacher when it comes to Lord's Supper, I know I have to deal sometimes with attitudes because then I have to say, hey, we got some parameters we have to keep. Well, I'm mad at you because of that. Well, I'm sorry about that, but I'm not willing to sacrifice it 
and compromise. It's just way too much at stake. Weak and sickly? I don't want people to be weak and sickly because I'm involved, because I've made a bad decision. I'd rather just take the hit, man. Whatever you can throw at me is way better than me having to meet the Lord, compromising the truth of the Word of God. I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, you spit, you yell, whatever. It's happened to me before, it'll happen again, <laughs> you know. But I cannot compromise these great truths, these powerful truths about the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But I'll tell you this. The Bible says preach the word in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Amen. That means I'll put up with you for a long time. <laughs> well, when is he going to blow it? Never. <laughs> the only time I get involved with people is when they start hurting the body. But you can come and spit at me. I'm not going to worry about it. Somebody else may do something, <laughs> you know, but I'm not going <laughs> to. You can come and call me names. I'm not going to do anything about that. I'll suffer long. But you start hurting some of these sheep, that's when the shepherd gets out the crook. Amen? That's when we deal with people. I'm not going to let that happen in this church. And I think I'd be a fool to meet the Lord one day and allow that to take place in the church and somehow think I'm going to meet the Lord and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> He's going to say, were you not the under-shepherd? Whoa. <laughs> i got to take this seriously, folks. And that's why we need, when, when it comes to Scripture, and I read things like this, I just have no, I have no recourse but to say, you know what, this is the way we have to do it. And I'm going to take the safe road, you know. And maybe I can even be safer. I know some people, they have a Lord's Supper. They'll have it on off night on a Tuesday or a Thursday just so they'll make sure that nobody will partake that isn't meant to partake. I haven't gone that far. Maybe I should, <laughs> you know. But I, I would rather, instead of just doing things like that, I'll just rather tell you. Yeah. And the Bible says, let every man examine himself. See, my responsibility isn't to manipulate all the events. <laughs> my responsibility is to tell you and let you examine yourself and that place the onus on you as to what you're going to do. Amen. So I'm not going to go by you and say, I don't think you like that person over there. I'm not going to let you partake tonight. No way, man. I'm going to tell you, you have to be in uni uni unity with the church. And if you decide to do it anyways, when that plate passes by, I'm not going to stop you. That, then it'll be your consequence. Amen? Yeah. So the Bible says, so I have to allow myself as much as I want to say, don't give that person any, you know, for their sake. At some point, you've got to let them make their own decision. If they're going to flout the word of God and not take it seriously, but what the preacher's saying, then, you know what, sooner or later it's going to happen. You know, so let's be careful. It is a sacred time. It's an important time. And, and it has to do with the unity of the church. Let's move on. Uh, it's a reminder to be grateful for what Christ has done for us. And so I think that as we partake, and we usually give, it's a very somber time, and we take time to, before we partake of that bread, we look at it, we remember, and we're so grateful. We say, thank you, Lord. Even Jesus said, thank you, Father. And he was looking at the symbol of his own body <laughs> being given for sinners. And he actually drummed up a thank you. <laughs> he gave thanks. 
I think we can give thanks to. It's not our body. <laughs> it was his body. And boy, we should be filled with gratefulness because of what he's done. The ordinance is commanded. The ordinance is a memorial. And the third thing is, the ordinance is evangelistic. It's evangelistic. Verse 26, for as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death. You show the Lord's death. So every time we, and that's why even this morning, we had baptism. What's happening is they're showing people something. It's evangelistic. It touches hearts. I don't know if there's anybody lost in the invitation. Nobody raised their hand, so I guess everybody was saved. But you know, every time we get together, we've always got to be evangelistic. I never take for granted that everybody's saved. <laughs> never. You know, we would have to get together and have some real heart-to-heart conversations for me to just say 100%, you're saved, <laughs> you know. But I can't just take for granted that a person's saved. Uh, people have, you know, played the church game, not that they're doing it on purpose, but they really have not submitted in, in the avenue of the gospel until all of a sudden the Lord tweaks them in a certain way and the light goes on. And, you know, I just want to make, I want to make sure that that light can go on any service of our church, yes. you know. So when we have the Lord's Supper, we got to make sure that light could go on for somebody. We're showing the Lord's death. This is what he did for you. Amen. So it's always evangelistic. Baptism as well as the Lord's Supper are evangelistic in nature and are a picture of the gospel that saves sinners. That's why, my friend, foot washing is not an ordinance. <laughs> it's not an evangelistic ordinance. Amen. Uh, unless you can get something out of there, I mean, that, that's up to you. <laughs> We're not going to do it anyways. The fourth thing is, the ordinance is prophetic. Notice what it says in verse 26. It says, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Till he come. So when we're partaking the Lord's Supper, we're saying, Lord, it'll sure be good when you come. And he's saying, you just keep doing that until I come. And when he comes again, we won't have any more Lord's Suppers that way. There'll be no more memorials. He's going to be standing right in front of you. Amen. And that not that what he said? I think I have it here somewhere. I should have it. No, I don't have it. But he says that, uh, let's see if I can just kind of remember this. Uh, when, when he was talking to the disciples, he says, this do, he says, and he says, until I drink it anew with you in the kingdom. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So the day is going to come where in that kingdom, he's going to sit down. He's, and you know what? He, he didn't partake of this one. He says, guess what? I'm not going to partake with you. And the next time I'm going to drink with you, it's going to be us sitting down in that kingdom. Yeah. That's prophetic. It's coming. And I feel sorry for the Jehovah's Witnesses who believe it already came. <laughs> you know? No, sir. It's coming, and it's going to be very real. <laughs> you know, uh, Folks, I don't know if it's referring to the marriage supper of the Lamb, if that's what he's talking about here, and that's when we'll partake. Uh, I'm not sure doesn't really say that but all i know is we're going to sit down with him and we're going to partake together of that fruit of the vine you know uh, i have a tendency to believe that the marriage supper of the lamb is going to be on earth i believe that's one of the first things that's going to happen when he comes down and sets up his kingdom he's going to have a great feast and all the old testament saints will be there as witnesses around the bride now you can say well i don't well believe what you want it doesn't really say clearly in scripture 
But I just believe it's one of those events that take place right at the establishing of the kingdom. You know, one of the reasons I've just never seen in heaven where anybody sat down, drank anything, or, or ate anything. But when Jesus came down, this is when he ate, when he came down to earth. This is when he drank, you know. And so, I don't know, is it the fruit of the vine in heaven? Well, it could be. <laughs> and if there is, that's mighty good grape juice up there. Because <laughs> that's a heavenly brand. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, that's something I don't dogmatically say. I've had people that try to make it dogmatic. Oh, I don't believe this. What do you believe? And say, I don't care. I, I don't care. If you, if you think it's going to happen in the seven-year tribulation time, that's great. I mean, fine. But I just, you know, in my heart and mind, I just, you know, Lord, that's what I think is going to happen. Because they're not going to be, the Old Testament saints are going to be resurrected until after Jesus Christ comes. John the Baptist is going to be there. <laughs> he even said he was a friend of the bridegroom. And so I think that he's going to be at that feast. In his glorified body. You know? So to me, it just makes sense that it happens after the resurrection is completed. After the church has been resurrected, but also after the Old Testament saints have been resurrected. Because they're all going to be in the kingdom. Amen? I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, I'm not trying to convince you of my position, but, you know, it just makes sense to me. It just kind of tweaks in my mind, you know? And so, anyways, all we know is, wherever it is, whether it's going to be in heaven, after we get called up the judgment seat of Christ, maybe after that, I don't know, maybe, or whether it's when he returns, and it's one of the first things that takes place, a feast within the kingdom of God on earth, whatever. It's going to be the first time that Jesus is going to sit down with us and partake of that fruit of the vine together. It's prophetic. Amen. And there's a lot of prophetic things that we don't know. <laughs> Amen. A lot of things we've got to say, you know, I just don't know this. And I think a lot of people get into a lot of trouble thinking that they know stuff they don't know. And it causes a lot of division in the church. You know, even saying what I just said right now, some people get all bent out of shape. But I, even when, though I said, you can believe it's in heaven or on earth, it doesn't really matter to me. Oh, I'm leaving the church, preacher. <laughs> well, maybe you should. <laughs> you know, if that's all it's going to take, then maybe you should. <laughs> all right. Anyways, no, you shouldn't. John 14, 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe also, if you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Amen. That's very prophetic. That's talking about the rapture. It's talking about heaven. It's talking about our future. It's talking about everything right there. <laughs> and he wanted to bring comfort by that. And I think as he was talking to the disciples there, he wanted to comfort them. He wanted to say, you know what? I'm leaving you something here. I'm leaving you with an ordinance that is going to remind you of me until I come again. And guys, I am coming again. You will sit down with me. We will spend that time together. Just like we're doing tonight. Just as the Apostle John is leaning on me and feeling me so close, my hands have handled and my, uh, you know, and I've heard with my very ears his voice. That day, I'm gonna, it's going to happen again. I wonder if he's going to let us take turns sitting beside him. <laughs> you know, it's your turn today. <laughs> Is it my turn, Jesus? Wouldn't that be wonderful yeah. to have a turn sitting beside Jesus? Just could you put your head down? Boy, that's what we need. 
I think you need that more than you think you need it tonight. All the garbage we've got to put up with in this stinking world all comes down to just getting close to him, realizing he's our, he's our complete hope. He's everything. Amen? That's the Lord's Supper. Just That should be swelling in our hearts. Oh, Lord, till I see you again. I see your promises. I thank you, Lord. And I thank you for the promises. I can see the reality of it as I read the word of God. But boy, I am sure looking forward to when my faith shall be sight. Amen. So it's also prophetic. And just some requirements of the Lord's Supper is salvation. Salvation. We looked about how the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. So that means that everybody is that partaking of that communion ought to be saved. They all ought to be a part of that bread. Amen. That's why Judas Iscariot was dismissed. Before Jesus, now they were eating. There's no doubt about it. They were eating with Judas Iscariot. But before he instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, one of you will betray me. Is it I? Is it I? Can you imagine that? Thinking that it could be you, <laughs> you know. That's what, the, that's what the preaching of truth will do. Is it me? And you know, the one who dips his bread in, and he did that, and then he said, what thou doest, doest thou quickly. And Judas got up and left. Then when Judas left, he looked at the rest and said, took the bread, broke it. So all I know is this, I don't believe in no open communion. You know what open communion is? Open communion is having the Lord's Supper and saying everybody who comes into the church can partake of it. If Jesus would dismiss the lost man, <laughs> the lost man has no business partaking of that supper with you. We all have to be a part of that one bread. Amen? So we've got to be saved. That's a requirement. And I believe that rules out the open communion mentality. Amen? I mean, open communion is easier. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. <laughs> it's all on you, folks. No, sir. Even Jesus had to dismiss somebody. So what we do is we preach and we say, hey, guess what? This Lord's Supper is for God's people. It's for those within the body. Amen? And if you're not saved, you're not in the body. So you have to get saved. You say, well, preacher, that's not fair. Well, I'll tell you what. Get saved. <laughs> get saved. That's probably the better solution than complaining about it. Amen? The second thing is baptism. John Gill said, one is preparatory to the other, and he that has the right to the one has right to the other. And none but such who have submitted to the former ought to be admitted to the latter. <laughs> Amen. So that means the, the baptism, which pictures your placement into the body, precedes the communion which is your communion within the body. Amen? Amen? 
So you've got to be baptized in before you can have communion in. Amen? Now you're saying, well, aren't we all saved? Well, we're not, we're not this bread and the, and, the, and, and the juice. It's not universal truth. It's local church truth. The body of Christ, we're not talking about a universal body here tonight. We're talking about our local assembly. Amen? That's why I believe baptism is a local church ordinance. <laughs> the Lord's Supper is a local church ordinance. It's not something you just do by somebody out there that just does it. A local church administers these things. Amen? Because they're dealing with their local church. Right? So when they got baptized this morning, what took place is, and we don't, I mean, you can, and this is the one thing I liked about what happened this morning, we took time to wait for those that were baptized to come out, and that's because Richard wanted to join, where we could all just go by and shake their hands and say, hey, welcome in. That's why I like that, you know. But you know when they really became a member? When they showed you in picture their placement into the body. Now, they didn't get saved this morning. They weren't placed into Jesus Christ this morning. They were placed into Jesus Christ the day they got saved. One of them was 2002. One of them was uh, 2022, you know. And they were placed into Christ's body spiritually at that point. But you know when they were placed into the physical body? This morning. So the spiritual truth places you into the spiritual body. The physical truth places you into the physical body. <laughs> Amen? And the communion that we have is a physical ordinance. That in itself is also local church. Because this body is a reflection of what that spiritual body, if people could see it and it would be functional, our church should be an expression of that. Amen? But it's not functional. <laughs> it's only functional through a local assembly. So you can say, well, I'm a part of the church and not being a part of a church. Well, we're all a part of the church. Every Christian's a part of the church. Well, yeah, technically, we have all been placed into the body of Christ, but the problem is you're not functional. You're not functioning. <laughs> and the only way that a spiritual person or the person that's been spiritually placed into Christ can become functional is to be placed into a functional body. <laughs> and so we know that it's only through the local church that God works out his plan on earth. Otherwise, why would you need it? <laughs> and that's why we're living in a day today where the local church is looked at with such not that important. I have my own relationship with God. I love the Lord. You're telling me I don't love him? And we're supposed to <laughs> somehow judge whether you love God or not. Folks, if we want to be functional, we have to give ourselves to the physical expression of the spiritual truth. But it starts with the spiritual. It ends in the physical. Same way it does with you personally. You were born again spiritually. He works in your soul. And then it's fleshed out physically. <laughs> Amen. That's what the local church is. There's a day we won't need this. Our, our job will be done. The rapture, it's over. There's no more need for a physical expression <laughs> of the, the spiritual body. And that's why we know... Within the seven-year tribulation period, 
Who's the witnesses? Is it us? Never once do you find that in Scripture. It's the 144,000 and the two witnesses of Israel and the 144,000 from each tribe of Israel. So at that point, if we were still here, (laughs) then why isn't that he's not letting us do what we were called to do? Amen? The only logical explanation is we're not here. (laughs) We're not here. So he uses Israel, which that seven years is determined for. Israel. You get it. So these people, mid-trib, post-trib, whatever, pre-wrath, whatever position they believe, they don't understand the scriptures. They don't even understand the local church. You got to be careful, folks. I'm all for prophecy. But you get involved with a lot of these guys and these prophecy conferences. What you don't hear a lot of is local church. And that will mess you up, pre-trib, post-trib, because you don't get what you're supposed to be doing here. The only reason we are left here is to fulfill the Great Commission. And so if all of a sudden <laughs> here the tribulation begins, the Lord says to the church, oh, gee, you don't have to do anything now. What? Where in Scripture do I see that? Didn't he say, this do till I come? Didn't he say that, that um, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world? as we go and do the Great Commission. But yet, when you look at the tribulation time, the seven years, do you once see a local church doing anything within that seven years? Never! Amen? Now we're talking prophecy. (laughs) So we don't hold to a (laughs) mid-trib. And I don't think it's a preference thing. I really don't. That's why we have it within our statement of faith. I don't want people in here with a doctrine that attacks the very essence of what the local church is. So that's a part of our protection. (laughs) In fact, before I started this church, I said, if we're going to start, this has to be a part of the boundaries. Because I started to see what was going on today. I started to see the attack on the pre-trib rapture and, and the varied movements and the wacky people that were infiltrating churches with these doctrines. And I says, I'm not going to put up with that. <laughs> I need to stop them at the gate. And that's what we did. And I've already stopped a number at the gate. <laughs> and thank God for it. Amen. Because you don't need that in here. <laughs> you, don't need to, you don't need to be battling those battles. There's enough battles just going through a practical Christian life, trying to reach souls for him, Without having to deal, I should have put the flat earth in there too. <laughs> it hasn't really been a problem here. I talk about it too much. People are scared to even mention it. So you may be flat earth, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Amen. Well, NASA, it's like people are like, well, QAnon, and I say, so what? Is it a surprise to you this world is wicked? It is a surprise to you that every group in this world that's not the local church has in, been infiltrated with sin and deception? Like you're telling me like I'm, I'm supposed to be surprised? My question is, what did the Lord tell us to do about it? Not go and attack QAnon and make that a part of my ministry. We could be, we could be dealing with variant groups 
every Sunday of the year. And then we'd have to start over next year because all the new ones that start next year. So what do we do? We go to this book and we just stay within the lines. And we keep on going. And people come in here and they try to draw us off lines, mid-trip, flat earth, this, that, or the QAnon, NASA, uh, all, all the pigeons are actually watching us and the robots. <laughs> the other day, me and Brother Rice, we were talking about this and how paranoid people are. I took my phone. Did you hear that, Trudeau? <laughs> I don't care. Get saved. Yeah. You get that. What are you scared of? They already know where you are. <laughs> you think that these are, this is going to be what's going to take you down? <laughs> no, it's going to be your heart that's going to take you down. Yes. This thing has no power over you. Well, they know, they know. <laughs> My goodness, the devil's always known you. <laughs> he looks down from, from the universe. He just says, where's the brightest light? That's where I'm going to send my soldiers. Now, all you got to do is go hide in your basement. You won't have a problem with the devil. <laughs> but I'll tell you, you want to shine? That's where the trouble comes. Amen? And it won't be this that will get you. Amen? Yeah. It's going to be infiltrators. Attacking the local church with a doctrine. We know what's out there. The whole world lieth in wickedness. I mean, you go ahead. You take them on. <laughs> you waste your whole life fighting that battle. I think we ought to just pick our battles very wisely. <laughs> you know? Even COVID. I thought about that, you know? Sure, I, I think there's a bunch of nonsense there. Sure, I think that, that things should have been completely different. And I think there's deception <clears throat> and all that stuff. And you know what? I also believe that maybe... <laughs> It caused me to just remember what the Bible says about this world. Amen. It's not really a surprise. And you think it's over? <laughs> the Bible tells us it's not because time's going to come. The Antichrist is going to put that mark out there. He says, you won't buy and sell. I'm glad I'm preaching at rapture. I mean, later on, you can come and tell me about it. When... But I'm out of here, man. There's no mark for me or my family. We're all born again. We're all going to be in the rapture. Amen. And any grandchild we have, we're going to pray that they will also be saved very, very young. As soon as they can say dada. Dada? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's what it's about. Keeping our kids to the Lord and, and keep walking with him, you know. We know there's a spiritual battle. We know it's coming. We know all these things in the Bible. Don't let people get you off track. Don't get all bent out of shape because of all these conspiracies out there. You know, when I hear people, you know, talking to people in our church about conspiracies, I'm just, yeah, George Bush took down the Twin Towers. He's such a bad guy. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I don't believe he did, by the way. <laughs> he didn't take it down. 
just wickedness in this world. Whoever's involved, it doesn't really matter. All I know is we got the Lord, we got each other, we got this church, we got this book. Man, this book is an iron fence around your family. It's a holy hedge. It's a mighty tower. It's the wings of the Almighty. Amen. Let it fly, devil. <laughs> you know, the storm will come. Reminds me of that illustration. One man told me, he says, his mother had some hens and chicks, and they were out in the field, and the grass fire began. And these, this hen and the chicks were caught out in this grass fire. And after the grass fire burned out, she went and looked, tried to find out where this hen was. And they, she found the hen lying there, and the hen was dead. Lifted up that hen with her wings. All the little chicks were alive. That's what Jesus said. Oh, how many times I would have gathered you as chicks underneath my wing. Don't worry about the stinking world. You just stay underneath the wings. Amen? Lord's Supper is a part of that. He's wanting you to stay underneath his wings. Remember, it's not just, oh, it's a good thing to do, guys. He says, no. You've got to keep your mind straight. You've got to keep yourself focused in that local church of yours. You've got to stay right with one another. You've got to keep the boundary true. Amen? It's all about fighting for that when we partake of these things as the Lord's Supper. Amen? Let's bow our heads. I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you. I know it's, it's a message on the Lord's Supper. We're not partaking Lord's Supper tonight. But maybe you should just make a decision like you would have been. Maybe you need to say, Lord, if I were to take the Lord's Supper right now, could I do it? Could I obey you? Would I obey you? <laughs> or do I have odd against my brother? Am I bitter and angry? Do I have some false doctrine in my life? Had I been focusing on the world and the filthiness of this world instead of focusing on staying underneath the wings of our God doing right and being right folks a time's going to come we will become a spectacle to this world it's already here in many ways hiding isn't your answer being right is your answer